Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Paul Gannon. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. You can follow the show on Twitter at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. And so you can hit us up there. You've got a comment, question, if you want to talk sports and have fun doing it. Great show lined up for you today. Expect it to be joined by free agent guard Wade Smith, formerly of the Houston Texans. Wade's a free agent right now. We're going to talk to him about his free agency. Talk to him about what he has planned. Talk to him about some of the great things he's doing with his foundation, the Wade Smith Foundation. Also, we're going to be joined by St. Peter's College assistant basketball coach uh, Marlon Guild, and he's going to give us his thought, his thoughts on the upcoming NFL draft. Uh, drafts around the corner, Thursday to be exact, and a lot of news about the draft. And we're going to get to that in a moment. But we're going to talk to Marlon about that, and also we're going to be joined by rapper Armorati, and uh, he has a new album coming out. Soon in stores, God's gift. So make sure you support him, and uh, he's going to be joining us also on the show today. So we're going to touch on a lot of things today: NBA Finals, the aftermath of the NBA Finals. I had Spurs in seven, happened a lot sooner in five, but we're going to talk about the aftermath of the NBA Finals. Tiger Woods, he's coming back. Michael Vick, the Trailblazer, say it ain't so. Did he really revolutionize the game? Is he one of the revolutionaries in terms of the running quarterback? We're going to talk to that as well. All the trades talk. We'll get to that as well. So make sure you stick around here on Go For It. I want to start with Joel Embiid in the 2014 NBA draft, which gets started on Thursday. Joel Embiid, well, before this, the initial talk about Joel Embiid before the foot injury, the initial talk about Joel Embiid was, okay, the back, the back, the back, the back. That's the talk was. That's what the talk was, all about the back. And, okay, go to Cleveland, there were conflicting reports about what happened, but all seemed to be well in terms of the back and all seemed to be well in terms of him being the number one pick of the Cleveland Cavaliers come Thursday night. Then we get a shocker, a shocker. Thursday it comes down. Joel Embiid will need surgery on his foot. Surgery happens yesterday. Joel Embiid hurts the navicular bone in his foot. So this is a bone that's ended the careers of the great Yao Ming, Bill Walton, Eric Montrose, ended their careers. These are bigs whose careers were ended 
because of a broken navicular bone in their foot. Those guys. Yeah. Bill Walton. Eric Montross. Careers ended. Over. Because of a broken navicular bone. Over. And now you have a situation with Joel Embiid. Not only do you have a stress fracture in the back, but you have this foot. And it seems like at this point, just looking at some of the mock drafts, he may not, he's probably not going number one to the Cavaliers, and he may slip all the way down to four or possibly lower than that. I mean, he's not going to get out of the top ten. Not going to get out of the top ten. But here's my thoughts and take on it. And interesting, you look at the situation. On the Cleveland Cavaliers, I look at it this way. And I know you kind of, well, we'll see what happens with Anthony Bennett, but his first year wasn't really all that good. And also, let me remind you, Michael Jordan also had a broken navicular bone in his foot his second year in the league. And we all know what Michael Jordan did in this league. And I know he's a guard and uh, and beads a big but the bottom line is you can come back from these injuries, and this is not a death now, if you will. This is not the end of Joel Embiid's career before it even starts. So he'll be given an opportunity for sure. But anyway, you look at this situation now, how this draft has turned topsy-turvy at this point, and also look at the situation in terms of now Cavaliers probably going a different direction, and it affects everybody. So you, you figured, okay, there are three players in this draft that everybody was talking about, three players. Embiid, Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins, and also Jabari Parker. Those are the three guys that, I don't want to say can't miss, but those were the three prize players in, these, in this draft. Those were the three guys that everybody was looking at. You, if you get the top three, you're good. You're in good, you're in good hands with, with any of those guys if you're in the top three. You're in good hands. But, But you look at it, you look at the situation, the top three guys. Now, it changes. It changes now. Because at one point, the thought was Embiid, number one. Parker and Wiggins, too. But the thought was, you, if you got one of those three, you're good. That was the thought process. If you got one of those three, you're good. Well, now, if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, well, let's start with the Cavaliers. If you're the Cavaliers, is he worth the risk? Can he come back and be the player that you hope he can be? Can he be a franchise changer? Or will he be one of these guys who flames out because of injury and never makes an impact? a la a Greg Oden, if you will. Could it be one of those guys? Who knows? But history has told us that guys have come back. Guys have come back from this injury. Guys have come back from this injury. They have. They come back from this injury. So this is not a death knell, if you will. This is not an end of a career, if you will. This is a guy now who, at this point in time, obviously, 
obviously it's, it's, it's tough. You feel bad for the guy. This close to the draft, Joel Embiid. You feel bad for him because, you know, he was he was slated to probably go number one in this draft. I mean, he was slated to go number one in this draft. Number one. And now it could, he could go five, he could go four, could go seven. That's tough. But the question is, if you're the Cavaliers, do you pass on him? I say it this way. If you believe that Joel Embiid is a stud, if you believe that Joel Embiid is a guy that can make plays in this league, if you believe Joel Embiid can be a top-notch center for years to come, and if you still believe that he's a talented, ultra-talented player, as far as I'm concerned, you can. You, I think you still have to take him. If you believe that he can still play, if you believe he's a franchise caliber center, you got to take him. I think you take him. I don't think, I'm not saying you got to take him because obviously he's a risk. But you have to think about taking him because, okay, he, he's expected to be out four to six months. But if he misses out on a year and comes back and is a big-time center in this league, you won. You cut seven footers don't grow on trees. Cause seven footers who've been compared to Akeem Olajuwon. Seven footers who are young and who can grow and who get better. Cleveland has to make that decision, obviously. If they believe that he's that guy, then they have to take him. They don't have to take him, but they should take him. Now, if they believe and are scared off by it, then they have to move on, and they have to go with Wiggins or Parker. Obviously, Wiggins or Parker is a, is a lot more sure of a thing than Joel Embiid at this point, obviously. Obviously. They're more of a sure thing. A lot more of a sure thing. But at the same time, at the same time, sometimes you got to live a little. Sometimes you got to take risks. Sometimes you got to take risks. Sometimes you got to. Scare, they always say, scare money, don't make money. Scare money, don't make money. So, life is a risk. This is a risk, obviously. This is a big-time risk. And this is a risk that if you're the Cleveland Cavaliers, this is a risk if you believe that he can play, maybe you take the chance. But I'll put it to you this way. If I'm the 76ers and I'm at three, I think I take Joel Embiid. If I'm... Orlando at four, sure. And I believe this guy can play. I'll take Joel Embiid. It's a risk. It's definitely a risk. But let's not act like people have not come back from these type of injuries. Let's not act like this is at the end of a career. I mean, it can be a career ender, sure. An ACL can be a career ender. 
An ACL injury can be a career ender. An Achilles can be a career ender. It's a risk, obviously. But I think if you're your Cavaliers and you believe this guy was a stud and was big time before this, I think you continue on with your thought process and pick him in this draft. I, I think you pick him. I think you select him. I think you select Joel Embiid if you believe that Joel Embiid is a guy that you believe it can be big time in this league. Obviously, you're not going to get production right away. Obviously, you're going to have to wait a little bit before you see exactly what he can be and what he can do. Obviously, you're going to have to wait. Obviously. But at the same time, if you're Cleveland, you have to recognize and realize that seven-footers aren't readily available every day. That seven-footers don't grow on trees. That seven-footers are not always available to you. Seven-footers who can do some of the things that we've seen out of Joel Embiid. It's not – I mean, I just think – and I look at it, and I think Cleveland should take the risk, take the plunge, if you believe that he can be the guy. If not, then you can always go safe with Wiggins. You can always go safe with Parker. You can always take the safe route. But let me remind you, scare money don't make money. Scare money does not make money. And so if you're Cleveland, I think if you believe that this guy, Joel Embiid, can still be a quality center in this league, I think you take the plunge. I think you take the plunge. But we'll see. I don't, obviously, I don't think they will. I, obviously, I don't think they will. I mean, because this, this is the type of thing that can lose your job. You can lose your job by going wrong here. So I don't think they will. I, I, I think they go Wiggins or Parker. And you can't, you can't blame them. I have no doubt about it. You can't blame them. You can't blame them at all. As a matter of fact, you know, it's very understandable. Very understandable. Why those guys would choose to go, why Cleveland would choose to go the route of Joel Embiid, and the, go, the route of, excuse me, Andrew Wiggins or Jabari Parker. It's very understandable. Very understandable. We'll see. It should be fun. It should be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. But the question is, if Cleveland passes and Milwaukee passes, if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, and based off of what I'm seeing in terms of the mock drafts, they're passing, and they're going Dante Exum, the 18-year-old out of Australia. They're going that route. They're going Exum. So if you're the Sixers, you know, and I got a little invested in this. I'm a lifelong Sixers fan. I take the plunge. You took the plunge last year with Noel. I would think about taking the plunge with this guy, Joel Embiid. But if you believe that Embiid and Parker, I mean, excuse me, Embiid and Noel can't play together, if, you, if that's your belief, then obviously you have to go in a different direction. Obviously you have to go in the direction of Exum or trade down or do something. But it should be interesting. I know that the Sixers 
Marcus Smart has been on their radar. Obviously, Dante Exum, we, we've heard about him in terms of uh, connecting him to the Sixers in the trade talks. I mean, there's a lot of trade talks out here right now. I mean, the trade talks are, are, are numerous, and that's just the beauty of that's the beauty of this time of year, the NBA draft. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait Thursday night. We're going to bring in a guy now who, who knows a lot about some of these players, who's seen a lot of these players, probably recruited some of these players. Let's bring him in now, St. Peter's assistant basketball coach, Marlon Gill. Marlon. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing good, man, Do- doing good. How about yourself? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. No, not a problem, man. Let me ask you this. Let's get right down to it. Joel Embiid, foot injury, possibly out four to six months. If you're the Cleveland Cavaliers, do you take Joel Embiid number one or do you pass? Uh, I'm going to have to pass. And the the reason being, uh, this particular foot injury that he has, uh, I forgot what what I was watching, but the past guys, or the prior guys, I should say, that have had this particular foot injury have been uh, Arvita Sabonis, Sam Bowie, uh, there was another guy as well that I forget offhand, and uh, and Michael Jordan, and the only Bill guy, Walton. and Bill Walton, yes, yes, that, that was the other guy. So the only guy to really come back from that was a guy that was six six, you know. So it, it's not a and, and Yao Ming was the other name. I'm sorry, yeah, Yao Ming was, was the other guy that had the same same injury. So you know, it's not an injury for, for big guys to have. Uh, you know, no injury. You want you don't want anybody to have an injury, but for big guys in particular, this, this is not a good one to have. So if I'm Cleveland, you know, I would have to pass. Uh, you know, okay. and I, I don't think I don't think MB would have fit in with what they were trying to do anyway. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how far how far he drops now uh, dealing with this injury. So, so let, let me ask you this: If okay. If you're Cleveland, you pass. Milwaukee, you pass as well? Uh, Milwaukee, I, I might have to take a pass. And reason being, you got Larry Sanders. Uh, I, I know he, he's got some contract things going on that, that Milwaukee would have to work out with him. But, uh, you know, I know he's had some off-the-court issues. But, you know, he's still one of the most dominant shot blockers in the league. And, uh, you know, he shows flashes from time to time of what he can do. So, you know, I, I don't think you, you take MB there. You know, I also like they have John Henson, who, who's a young guy who, you know, came on towards the end of the year. And uh, the rookie that they had this past year will have a chance to be good as well. So I, I don't think MB fits in with Milwaukee either. Okay. Okay. So if you're Philadelphia 76ers at three, do you pass? Uh, I'm going to say you have to pass as well at that spot. I mean, where does he play with Nerlens Noel? You know, they're pretty much the same same kind of player. And you just had Nerlens come off of missing the entire year. So how do you bring in another guy that's going to miss, you know, maybe a quarter, maybe half of the year? 
I, I don't know if that makes sense either. Uh, a Twin know, Towers it'll type be situation? Uh, those Twin Towers might crumble with those two guys. I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if the Sixers take that chance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I mean, it looks like you know all. I'm I'm just looking at some of the, the mock drafts. I'm seeing him possibly go to four at four to Orlando. Some people even got him going lower than that. So I mean, it should be interesting to see where he lands in this draft. But I want to ask you this. Go mm-hmm. ahead. No, I, I, I said I, I, could, I could even see him dropping to nine. I could see it being that drastic. Nine to the to the Hornets. And, and who's to say that they take him when you got big Anthony Davis there? Right. <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, let me ask you this. You know, you look at – this draft, and now let me ask you this. Who do you think will be the best player in this draft when it's all sent them? Five years from now, who, who do you think is the best player in this draft? Five years from now, Jabari Parker will be the best player in this draft. And the reason I say that is I, I wasn't a fan of Jabari Parker uh, early on in the year. I think you and I might even have a discussion about him. But Jabari Parker will be the Paul Pierce of this draft. Uh, you know, you, you look at Paul dropped to not in that nine ten range, and um, you know ended up. You could probably say, out of that draft, he's probably been the most consistent player over the course of time. Right. Uh, so you know, I, I don't think Jabari will fall that far. I, I think no. you know he, he'll still go in the top three, but I, I think ten years from now, when it's all said and done, we'll probably be talking about Jabari Parker as the best player in this draft. Two hundred fifty four pounds doesn't scare you. No, because th- th- those are things you can work on. Uh, what you can't work on to a certain degree is skill level and talent, and he has, and he has that. Uh, you know, I-, I know people question whether he can guard, but you know, and, and you can't teach that either. But I-, I look at what he did at Duke this past year. As the season went on, he got better and better, and usually w- with freshmen. You know, sometimes as the year goes on, you know, they're not used to playing uh, a 32 to 40 game schedule, and and they break down. And he got better. You know, now how that translates with an 82 game season, I'm not sure, but you know, I I think you know he'll figure it out. And uh, you know, he he has the uh, he he has the will to to want to get better in certain uh, areas. So. I, I just think down the road he'll be the best guy. Even 254 pounds. This is a this is your job interview, and you're showing up, you know, out of shape at 254 pounds. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't do anything to you. That, they'll get him back in shape. People know what his talent <laughs> level is, man. <laughs> okay, all right. We're talking to St. Peter's College assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill. Let me ask you this now. You look at this whole NBA draft, and obviously coming into this draft, a lot of people talked about how deep this draft was going to be. Who are your sleepers? Who are your sleeper players in this draft? Uh, my, my sleepers, you know, that, that people aren't really talking about me. I think the the green room list just came out today. I think, uh, you know, Kyle Anderson will be a sleeper. Um you know, down the road. He doesn't wow you, but at the end of the day, 
he just has, uh, you know, he ends up stuffing the stat sheet. You know, so he'll be a guy that I think down the road people will say, like, hey, you know, he'll have a good career. Like, where did he come from? Um, I, I like the kid Exum, too, Dante Exum. Uh, I like what, what he has with his size at 6'6". You know, there's always a need for need for a point guard and things of that nature. Um, you know, so he'd be another guy. I, I would say those two guys, for me personally, I think down the road will have a chance. And I would say uh, you can't count out Shabazz Lapier, man. Um, okay. You look at what he's been able to do, and, uh, you know, he just got invited to the green room, if, I, if I'm – if I'm not mistaken. So I would say those three guys. All right. Let me ask you this. I know James Young has been a guy that you uh, – I'm surprised you didn't mention him. I know it's a guy that you've been talking very highly of <laughs> over the past couple months. I'm surprised you didn't name James Young. Uh, no, nah, he's not a sleeper to me, man. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm wide awake when it comes to James Young. So, All right. All right. You know, <laughs> so there's no way. There's no way I would put him on my sleeper list. Okay, let's let's go to the NBA Finals now. And obviously, you had the Spurs in seven. I also had the Spurs in seven before the series started. But we know how it ended. The Miami Heat basically got ran over and ran through by the San Antonio Spurs in a five-game series. So, I mean, it wasn't even close after game two. I mean, it was essentially blowout city after game two. What are your thoughts now looking at the Miami Heat after what you saw in that particular NBA final? Uh, well, I, I saw that they needed a point guard. They needed an a inside presence. Uh, you know, with, with Mario Chalmers, I, I don't know what his issue was, but he didn't show up. You know, Norris Cole didn't really show up either. I mean, they played Tony Douglas. That, that says it all. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Tony Douglas hadn't played since he'd been on the Knicks. So... <laughs> That, that said it all, and, and you know, for as good as Chris Bosh was in, in spurts, you can't be six ten and just want to play a pick and pop game. And then you got to try to mix it up in, in the paint a little bit. He, he didn't do so, uh, and, and you know, all, all the criticism that LeBron took. I mean, you look at Game Five. I think he scored thirty one points, ten rebounds, five assists, and everybody's mm-hmm. still criticizing him. But nobody said nothing about Dwayne Wade's horrible defense. Right. You, you know, I, I think every time there was a breakdown on, with Miami's defense, Dwayne Wade was involved somehow. And you can't you can't win that way. And, and the one thing that, that I will say, you know, the Spurs played great. Uh, you know, they, they epitomized what team basketball should have been. Uh, you know, I, I enjoyed watching them play. I'd even say this. I probably would have tried to play Mike Beasley so. You know, in game five it was a blowout, and he ended up scoring maybe 12, 12 points in the, you know, seven, eight-minute stretch that he got in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, but hats off to the Spurs. You know, they were they were great from, from top to bottom. And, uh, you know, it, it just showed the basketball uh, guys as a whole that, hey, this was the – correct way to play basketball, and hopefully other teams can see that and, and, you know, have that same kind of blueprint. You know, it's not easy. You know, in today's game, everybody has an ego and and things of that nature. But, uh, 
you know, what the Spurs were able to do uh, in, in that series, man, you, you know, should, should be applauded. It was it was almost similar to how the Detroit Pistons looked when they beat the Lakers in the finals right. uh, in, in uh, 05-06, around that time. So, you know, hats off to the Spurs, man. Yeah, it was it was definitely similar because you even look at the way the the series went. The Pistons won Game One, lost Game Two in overtime, and then from there they just beat down the Lakers in those next three games. So basically, it was the same type of blueprint, same type of series that we saw, and almost the same type of team basically because you look at the San Antonio Spurs, they were a team, and and everybody you know was was a part of it. So it was it was similar. I mean, obviously Duncan is a superstar, but I don't know if he's still as much of a superstar as he was throughout the course of his career, but he's still a legitimate, solid big man. And, of course, Parker, Ginobili, Kawhi Leonard. So, yeah, it was a similar blueprint in a lot of ways in terms of the team makeup. So, yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> obviously it, it, it was surprising and shocking. Not necessarily that the Heat lost, but how they lost. And that was yeah. just stunning. Let me ask you this, Mello. He can opt out in the next few days, June 23rd to be exact, and I believe that is Monday. Does he do it? And if he does, does he return to the New York Knicks? Uh, I, I think he will opt out. And, you know, like what you've been hearing like the past uh, week or so, 10 days, is Carmelo going to Miami. Well, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. That makes no sense whatsoever. Carmelo going to Miami hurts them more than LeBron uh, coming to New York. And the reason why I say that is this. You know, Carmelo needs the ball. You know, average defender, you know, I don't think people give him enough credit for the way he defends when he wants to, but it's just another guy that needs the ball, you know, and, and it'll stick in his hand to a certain degree. That's not what Miami needs. They have a good guy that where's number six, that when he has the ball in his hands, something good happens 98.7% of the time. <laughs> and the other 1.3% is probably at the free throw line. So you can say 100% of the time. When I, So I don't know if, if Melo going to Miami makes sense. Now, you know, you hear Chicago. Um, I know there's a lot of hoopla with him wearing some uh, – his signature shoe in like a red and black that, you know, had people in, in an uproar. Uh, you hear the talk of Houston, but I, I don't know if Houston makes sense either because now you're going into the Western Conference where Houston was, what, a, a four seed, a five seed uh, this year? But I, I think they kind of got exploited because James Harden can't really defend one-on-one. Uh, you know, so now you're relying on Dwight Howard, who's a great defender, still one of the top five guys, but I, I don't know if adding Melo helps them either. And then they just lost Chandler Parsons. You know, they decided not to re-sign him. I know they're trying to get rid of uh, Jeremy Lin. So I, I don't know, uh, aside from Chicago, I don't know if anywhere but re-signing with New York makes sense. You know, now obviously, you know, he said he'd take a pay cut, but let, let's be honest. Who takes pay cuts nowadays? Nobody. So, you know, it's all about getting as much money as you can. And hopefully, 
you know, he ends up re-signing with, with the Knicks. I think the NBA needs needs star power in New York. So him re-signing with the Knicks would make the most sense. And, you know, hey, maybe that guy in Miami that wears number six can join him. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I, I look at it, I, I look at it this way um, in terms of the situation with Melo and the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat, I look at this team. Who is their number two scorer at this point in time? D Wade, I don't well, think is that guy anymore. No, right, and, and I would agree. You know, uh, D Wade definitely showed that this series. You know, he's getting a little older. Uh, and, and you know what? I think the Indiana series took a lot out of him. Uh, you know, it wasn't as easy as they thought it was going to be. You know, he was still hurt with, with little nagging injuries here and there. And then you look at Chris Bosh. You know, it's just something about big guys that decide to settle for jump shots, you know, that, that doesn't sit too well with me. It, it, it's not making the defense work. And, you know, that, that's my main issue with Chris Bosh. And, you know, I, I think he's better suited as a third guy. But like you said, they need a, a number two score uh, to, to go and, and work for them. And we'll see what happens, man. It should be interesting. This offseason is going to be a lot of fun to see where Miami and the big three, see what happens there, to see where Melo goes. I mean, I, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. And Kevin Love to see where he may go, and there's a possibility he may go somewhere on draft day. So it should be a lot of fun. Marlon, thank you again for stopping by, man. Nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Nah, no problem. As always, thanks for having me, man. Take care. Marlon Guild, St. Peter's College, assistant basketball coach. And, you know, he's talking now about something I wanted to get to in terms of the Miami Heat and, and what happens moving forward. I do slightly disagree with him in terms of Melo. Um, I, I think the Miami Heat do need a number two scorer. And I think looking at the way that team is presently constructed, Dwayne Wade was one of the reasons they didn't get it done. Dwayne Wade was one of the reasons they didn't get it done. And Dwayne Wade, obviously, you need him. And he's the ultimate X factor as far as I'm concerned when I talk about the Miami Heat. And I watch the Miami Heat. Dwayne Wade is the X factor. And when he is going good, the Heat are going good. He's the difference. He's the difference maker as far as I'm concerned. He's a difference maker. And I, and I feel like, Dwayne Wade needed to be Dwayne Wade in order for the Miami Heat to get this three-peat. Dwayne Wade needed to be Dwayne Wade, and he wasn't. He wasn't Dwayne Wade. He was a shell of himself. He was a shell of himself. And as far as I'm concerned, you just watch him. He didn't do what I saw a video, right? A guy broke Dwayne Wade's defensive possessions down, and he didn't really, he really did not. Defend very well in that series. He was a, he was a, it was a detriment. He was a detriment defensively. He was a liability defensively. And it showed. He was a big-time liability. And it showed. But we'll see what the Miami Heat do in this offseason to make this situation better. When we come back, we're going to be joined by a guy now. He's a free agent at this point. He's looking for a ball club. And we're going to talk to him about it. When we come back, Offensive guard Wade Smith will be joining us. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had 
some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but I just don't see mean. anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. <laughs> we see what you can do. We've seen it. <laughs> I would never bring my wife around too. I, I yeah, just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. <laughs> That's not Roxy. <laughs> That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thank- very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- we're back. And... As we said, we're going to get to all the NBA stuff in a moment. We're going to bring in a guy who is right now a free agent. Two years ago, was a pro bowler. Had a great year for the Houston Texans two seasons ago. This year, the Houston Texans had some struggles. And a team that many expected to go to the Super Bowl really did not do too well last season in the National Football League. But we're going to bring in a guy now. He's a free agent, looking for a team. Let's bring him in now. Free agent guard, Wade Smith. Wade. How you doing today, man? How are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. And Wade, at this point, you are a free agent. What's going on with you? What What is the landscape out there for you? Um, right now, I'm doing good, man. I've uh, been working out consistently. Uh, my body feels good. I'm working out over at uh, Nine Innovations, the place in Houston that uh, Arian and Abdul Foster actually opened up, and. Uh, you know, my body feels really good. I have uh, I have multiple teams that have, have been keeping tabs on me and, you know, showing a lot of interest. And so um, I th- I'm thinking, you know, close to training camp, you know, I'll be able to make a decision of, of where I want to go. But, uh, you know, I'm just looking to, to continue my career and to find a place to, to, to get that ring, man, because uh, you know, that's what you play the game for, the championships, and uh, that's what I'm, I'm looking to do. Let me ask you this now. With that being said, looking for rings, looking for championships, are the Texans still an option for you? The Texans would always be an option for me, uh, just because of, of my my loyalty to the city and, and to the organization. Um, at the same time, it has to be a, a mutual thing to where you know both sides can can come to a, a meeting of the minds and an agreement. But uh, you know that door definitely isn't closed. Okay. Now, do you, just looking at the Texans, I mean, in terms of the quarterback situation, it's a little uncertain. A team that many expected to do big things last year, obviously things really didn't work out for them. Do you feel like that team is in position to make a run at a Super Bowl? Well, you know what, man? The way the NFL is these days, there's a lot of things that on, that on paper, certain things that look a certain way. And, you know, on paper we were supposed to be, you know, Super Bowl contenders last year and we went 2-14. and 14. Um, and so there's been times, you know, on paper somebody looks like they're, they're not going to be very good and they end up making a run and, you know, having a great year. You know, I think the Ravens won a Super Bowl after going, I think, 9 and, or 10-6 and six or 9-7 and seven or something like that, and they just got out at the right time. So um, I, I think a lot of it has to do with being healthy, you know, keeping your team okay. healthy and, and and guys just playing up to the capabilities, having a good system and a, and a scheme and, um, you know, there's a, there's a little luck that's involved too, and so I think that uh, you know Houston they have a chance just like anybody else does. 
Do you feel like you have? Do you need to be a starter on a team? Are you willing to go to a team to be a backup? Um, any any way I can contribute, you know, if I if I can go somewhere and I can contribute in whatever whatever role that may be, that's what I want to be. I want to be somewhere where I can make a difference. And so, you know, there's different ways that you can make a difference. Different roles. You can be a starter and make a difference. You can you know rotate in and make a difference. You could be a backup and make a difference. So. Uh, my, my thing is, is you know, I have a lot of experience in this league, and you know, fortunately, I've been blessed to play 11 years, and so, um, you know, there's there's something to be said for that, and there's something that I think that I could I can help others, you know, gain knowledge and, and help the team win. We're talking to free agent NFL guard Wade Smith, and, and Wade, looking at the Texans last year, this was a team started strong, two and zero. And as we said, many expected the Texans to make a Super Bowl run last season. You guys struggled along the way. What happened in Houston in 2013? What happened to you guys? Well, to, to, to go to and 14, it isn't just one thing that happened. There was multiple things that went wrong. I mean, first and foremost, we didn't play up to our ability. I think that that, that was the biggest thing. I mean, you had key injuries that I think uh, hindered us and hindered our progress. Uh, we had a, a, a lot of games that, you know, we're a player to away from winning, and we we didn't win those games. I think we turned the ball over way too much, and we didn't get enough turnovers. And that's just basic rules of football. If you turn the ball over and you don't get turnovers, you're going to lose ball games, and we did. Um, I think we had the worst turnover differential in the league, and so it, it showed with our with our record. How rough was it, man? I mean, losing 14 games in a row. How rough? How rough was that? Um, it was the toughest season I've I've gone through in my 11 years, um, and I, I think it was the toughest just because of our expectations and the type of guys that were mm-hmm. in in the locker room. And you know, we didn't have any bad guys in the locker room. We had a lot of high character guys, a lot of guys that had a lot of success in the league, and as as individuals and as a team. And so to to go through that, it was rough. Um, but you know, there was one thing that I'm proud of with the season is that we there was no give up and there was no um, dissension in the ranks, those type of things that are really common in a situation mm-hmm. like that. And so, uh, I mean, I, that was probably the only silver line out of the 2-14 season because it's, that's not what you play the game for to go 2-14. But, um, you know, that, that was one thing that we did not allow to happen um, as a group. We're talking to free agent offensive guard Wade Smith. And, Wade, at this point, you're 33 years old. You're entering your 12th season in the National Football League. How much good football do you have left? Um, you know, that's a good question. I, w- I would say if I played three more years, that would be great. And I think I, I have that in me. I mean, um, last two years, I-, I would just say that the way my knees feel right now is, is better than it felt since about 2011. And um, that gives you kind of that renewed sense of vigor and, you know, that that, that ability to say I could continue playing this game at a high level. Um and so uh, that's what I'm looking to do, is going somewhere and, and, and competing and trying to help out a team. We're talking offensive guard, free agent offensive guard, Wade Smith. And, Wade, you're doing big things in the community with the Wade Smith Foundation. Tell us about it. Uh, Wade Smith Foundation is a foundation started a couple years ago, and, you know, some of our major programs have to do with literacy and uh um, education. We have a scholarship program called the Committee Scholars. We give out scholarships to, to Houston and and uh, Dallas students. Um, and we actually have a, a major event we have coming up uh, this Sunday. We're doing a, a co-ed kind of celebrity flag football tournament um, okay. 
Wayfair Foundation and the Ronald McDonald House and the Charitables uh, Organization partnered together to uh, to do this uh, flag football tournament, and it, it's going to be a, a blast. We got a lot of uh, big names going to be out there, either refing the games or playing in the games, coaching the games. You know, like Aaron Foster and Dwayne Brown and um, Slim, the rapper Slim Thug is going to be playing on my team that I put together. I'm actually <laughs> I put on my my coach and GM hat. To, to organize my okay. team, Texas Bay, and try to win us a championship out there in the flag football tournament. And it's all the money goes uh, split between the Wasteland Foundation and the, the Ronald McDonald House. So we're just looking forward to having a good time on Sunday. So you, are you, are you going to take that coach and GM hat off and step out there for a little bit? You know what, people keep asking me that, but, you know, with me being a free agent and, you know, I have these teams, <laughs> you know, keeping tabs on me, I, I, you don't want to go out there and, you know, twist the ankle or anything like that. So I'm going to keep that coach's hat on <laughs> all day and the GM hat on, and I'll, I'll collect that trophy at the end when we win the tournament and uh, go back to my to my playing uh, the next day when I get back to training. Who, who is Wade Smith, the GM, the coach? Who is that guy? Who, I mean, if you if you look at the roster I put together, I put together a, a good team, and I I think that uh, we got a mixed bag of you know it's a co-ed thing. So we like one of our quarterbacks is was the starting quarterback for the local Houston's uh, Houston uh, women's professional football team. So that's okay. our quarterback, you know, Laura Cunton. And we have you know we have Slim Thug. We got a six six uh, wide receiver that can go up and make plays. We got him out there. You know, we have Herb Taylor, uh, former offensive lineman. It's a, Hello. Of our uh, D-line, O-line, pass rush specialists. And so, you know, I, I put a, a eclectic group together. We're looking forward to, to dominating out there. There's a lot of trash talking going on, but it's all in good fun. Just looking forward to, to having a good time. And, and, and we're also, the, the big thing that we're doing with it is we're collecting a 1,000 books. Um, so everybody okay. that participates in the event is actually having to bring a book to donate, and the, the, the crowd, the you know, spectators, they come out there to to watch it or bring a book to donate to to kids in the uh, Houston Independent School District. And so, um, you know, it's the best of both worlds. You're having a, a good time. You're actually helping out help kids. Speaking of domination, the NBA Finals and what we saw, the Spurs dominated the Miami Heat five game series, but the last three games were essentially blowouts. <laughs> Were you shocked by what you saw in the NBA Finals? I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I was I was surprised by the score differential, but if you look at my Twitter feed, I picked the Spurs in six, and so uh, you know before the series started, and so I wasn't really surprised that you know the Spurs won, but for them to win every game that they won by 15 plus points, that was a little surprising. But at the same time, you know. It's the NBA and, and most sports is about matchups, and I think that um, you know Spurs had a team that was perfectly built to beat the Heat, and and honestly, I really thought they should have won the series last year too. So uh, you know the, the Spurs got the opportunity to kind of get that revenge, and they did that. I mean, they had they have a team that you know you have guys that can get their own shot with uh, you know Ginobili and Kawhi Leonard, and then you have a bunch of and Tim Duncan, and you have a bunch of guys around them that can shoot the basketball. And it was similar back in 2011 when my Mavericks beat them. Um, you know, you had Derek and Jason Terry, those guys that could get their own shots, and he had a whole bunch of guys around him that them that could shoot too. And so that was kind of, that's right. kind of the blueprint to beat the Heat, and, and the Spurs just executed. 
let me ask you this, Sal. You know, being that the, you're a Mavericks guy and the Spurs, I mean, you weren't openly rooting for the Spurs, were you? No, I wasn't rooting for the Spurs, but I'm I'm, I'm a Dallas guy, but I'm also a, I'm a Texas guy. So if if the, if the Mavericks ain't winning, winning it, then you know Spurs or the Rockets winning it. That's I would say that's the next best thing. I, you know we we have a, a, a kind of a, a well documented rivalry with them, but right. I also think there's a mutual respect too because those guys have been you know, great for so long, you got to have respect for guys like that. And we've beaten them and they've beaten us and they've beaten us more than we've beaten them. But we have, we have, uh, you know, we have our victories as well. And, you know, we took them to seven games this year. I would have, I would have liked it if we would have played a little bit better in that game seven, it would have been a, uh, we had a better chance of of winning that series. But, you know, our, our team really wasn't, in my opinion, built to to win a championship this year. But I, I think we got the most out of what we had. As a, as, a, as a roster, and I think that going forward, you know, the Mavericks to be right back at, in their contending uh, going on next year. And I have it right here, June fifth. You did say Spurs and six on June fifth on your Twitter feed. So, okay, so you, you definitely were legitimate. You definitely were legit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, there was no no uh, no qualms about it. I just really thought that that Miami they just didn't match up well with Spurs and you know. Like I said, I was I was surprised that the Spurs beat them that bad, but I wasn't surprised that they beat them. So fans, make sure you hit him up on Twitter at Smitty seventy four all day and see all the great things going on with Wade Smith. Wade, where can fans find information about all the great things going on with the Wade Smith Foundation? Um, you can go on the uh, WadeSmithFoundation.org. And then also for this event that we're we're doing uh, Sunday, we're still collecting books, and so you can go to uh, charitables.net and that's C-H-A-R-I-T B-U-L-L-S dot net So fans, support all the great things going on with Wade Smith and his foundation and all the great events, great events that he has coming up. Wade, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Alright, man. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Take care. Alright. Wade Smith, free agent offensive tackle. And we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. He's, he's probably going to find a team at some point. As I said, it may happen closer to training camp, but he's definitely going to be in a, on an NFL roster uh, before the season starts. I think that's for sure. I think that's that, that's a definite. I mean, this guy was two years removed from a Pro Bowl. Two years removed from a Pro Bowl. So I, I think definitely think he's going to be on an NFL roster at some point next season. So we'll see where that's going to be. And I, I know he said that he wanted to win, and winning is important to him. And I'm, I, I mean, you know, obviously he's correct when he says that, you know, when you put things on paper, doesn't mean that, you know, the team is going to win and doesn't mean that the team is going to lose. doesn't mean that the team is going to be uh, competing for a Super Bowl. doesn't mean the team is going to not make the playoffs. On paper, of course. And, and the thing about it was, you know, on paper, the Texans were expected to win a Super Bowl, on paper. But obviously, championships aren't won on paper. And the beauty of the NFL is anybody, not anybody, but it's almost like, you know, there's really no true favorite. I mean, there's favorites, obviously. A lot of people expect to Seattle. A lot of people expect to Denver, you know, 49ers, uh, teams of that nature. But 
at the same time, anything is possible, anything can happen in the National Football League. Parity reigns in the National Football League. So definitely, definitely you, you, you see it. You, you see all the things on paper. You see all the, the roster, the players on the roster on paper, and you say, okay, that's a team that can win. Or that's a team that can lose. But at the end of the day, you, you don't win it on paper. But we'll see. We'll see where, where Wade Smith may land in this upcoming NFL season. The Miami Heat, let's go back to them and let's go back to the NBA Finals and let's go back to what we saw. I mean, the domination was was surprising. It was shocking. And it came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. Absolutely came out of nowhere. You look at how it happened. I mean, yes, I expected the Spurs to win this series. But no, I didn't expect the Spurs to win the final three games with, you know, you know I didn't expect them to blow them out. I mean, the final three games were blowouts. They outscored the Heat by 14 points per game in this series. 14 points per game. I mean, that's, that's a blowout. That's beating a team up. That's just beating them up. It's not only beating them, but you're beating them up. You're stomping them out. You're going through them, running through them. It wasn't even close. And the Miami Heat, you looked at this team, to me, this is a team that is going to be interesting in the offseason what they do. Pat Riley challenged everybody. We'll see what happens, how the Miami Heat do this. But the reality of the situation with the Miami Heat is, what do you do next? What happens? Does Dwayne Wade stay in? Does he opt in? Does Bosch stay in? Does LeBron stay in? I mean, D. Wade is owed $40 million over the next two seasons. That's a lot of money for a guy who seemed to be playing on one leg, who seemed to be stuck in mud. That's a lot of money. But I think ideally, if you're Pat Riley, you would hope all of them opt out, all of them take less money, and then all of them, in the process of taking less money, all of them, you know, the, the Miami Heat, bring in a player to help them. They need help. They need help. They need some help. And whether that help is going to come from Kyle Lowry, who there's said to be interest between both parties there, whether that help comes from Melo when he opt out, opts out, he's probably going to opt out in the next few days, whether that help is coming somewhere else. The Miami Heat need... I don't think you can run out this big three next year if you brought the big three back. And let's just say you make some – I mean, obviously, you need to do something with your role players. And, and Dwayne Wade, I mean, also your second-best player, he's not the same player anymore. And will he, he probably won't be that same type of guy ever again. He's not a second scorer. At this point, I, don't, I mean, I don't think I don't, I, I don't think you can roll this team out and expect to win. I don't think you can. 
don't think you can. I don't think you can roll that team out and expect to win. I don't. You can probably get through the Eastern Conference, but that's not saying much. I might be able to get through the Eastern Conference with ten of my me and ten of my closest friends. Obviously, I'm being a little facetious there, but you, you get the point. But the Miami Heat are a team that definitely needs to reload, definitely needs – well, you've got to figure out what LeBron James is going, in, going to do. Obviously, he's the big piece here. He is the big piece here. You have to figure out what LeBron James is going to do. Your, what LeBron James is going to do is more important than what Dwayne Wade might do. More important than what Chris Bosh might do. You need to know what LeBron James is going to do. You need to figure that out. Is he going to opt in? Is he going to opt out? And if he opt out, opts out, is he going to return? Is he willing to take less money? Is he willing to give them a discount in order for them to re-sign guys and get more guys and reload? Or is you know he made a lot of money for that Apple deal and the Beats by Dre deal? So is he willing to take less money here in order for the Miami Heat to gather more pieces, gather more assets, ultimately with the goal of winning an NBA title one more again, once once again? But the Spurs, they were a team. And, again, you remember, it's funny, we talked about the 2004 Pistons. You remember the 2004 Pistons and the Laker team that Gary Payton, Carl Malone, Shaq, Kobe Bryant, star power. You know, star all this star power. And he had the Pistons on the other side. Chauncey Billups, Ben Wallace, Rashid Wallace, um, you know, Rip Hamilton, those boys, Tayshaun Prince, those guys. You, you saw that from those guys, right, a team. And then... And seeing that, you saw a team beat a team that had the quote-unquote star power with Shaq, Kobe, Carl Malone, Gary Payton, obviously an older Gary Payton, obviously an older Carl Malone, but they were star power. And, no one, and a lot of people expected the Lakers to win that series. And the Pistons came in and they just dominated. After game, they won game one, lost game two in overtime, and they just dominated from there. Same way we saw here, and look at the look at the Spurs and the balance that you get in this postseason. Parker with their leading score at 17, Duncan at 16, Ginobili at 14, Leonard at 14, Danny Green at nine, DL at nine. So the balance that you saw from this Pistons team, and this is just postseason. This was their postseason statistics. The balance that you saw from this that Piston team, not the Piston team, but that Spurs team, was big. They were a better team from top to bottom. Top to bottom, the better team was the San Antonio Spurs. And you saw the same thing with the Detroit Pistons in 2004. From top to bottom, they were the better team. And you look at their team, their leading score was Rip Hamilton at 17, Billups at 16, Rasheed at 13, Tayshaun Prince at 10, Ben Wallace at nine. And then you have Mehmet Okor, who was big time off the bench for him with nine points per game. It's just similar. Obviously, the numbers are very similar. 
and the way they won their series were very similar. Tim Duncan, five ranks. You've got to start talking to Duncan. You know, a lot of people, we, we seem to overlook Duncan. We, we talk about LeBron Kobe, and we overlook Duncan and what he's done throughout the course of his great career. Five championships. It's big. He's one behind Jordan. And you ask me, who would you rather build a team around, Duncan or Kobe? Give me Kobe. Give me Duncan. I'll go big over small any day. Give me Timmy Duncan. Second hour, go for it. Starts right now. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. And we're, and we're back. Second hour of Go For It started right now. In this hour, we're going to be joined by Sacramento Kings forward guard Ben McLemore and, uh, Ben, we're going to get his take on the upcoming NBA draft. From the standpoint, Ben just went through this. He, he knows what it's like to go through this process, go through the draft process. So we're going to get his take on what he felt when he heard his name last season during the draft. We're going to get his take on what he felt, how he felt about it, what was going through his mind. So we're going to talk to him about that. Also, you know, look at the Sacramento Kings, Rudy Gay. Obviously, they're looking to bring him back. They're looking to bring Rudy Gay back. So, And DeMarcus Cousins, a lot of guys are trying to recruit him back, trying to bring him back. We'll see what Ben is doing to, to try to bring uh, Rudy Gay back. We'll, we'll see what Ben is doing there. And, and talk about Ben and what he needs to do now moving forward in this offseason to become a better player and make a big-time impact next season for the Sacramento Kings. Also, we're going to be joined by rapper Amarati. Uh, he has a song out. He's got an album coming out, God's Gift. So we're going to talk to him about his album, talk to him about his song. And <clears throat> he's from Dubai. So it should be interesting to see what it's like growing up in Dubai. You know, what it's like growing up in Dubai. should be very interesting. So Ben McLemore at 210. Amarati at 2.35. So make sure you stick around for those interviews. Should be a lot of fun. I want to go now to the Washington Redskins and, and that whole situation. Um, as we know, this past week with the Washington Redskins and their whole situation, the name may change. The name may change. And the question becomes, should it change? The question becomes, I mean, I almost believe, to be honest with you, I almost believe that it's going to happen. I just think it's a matter of when. I do believe 
it's going to happen. It's just, it's just, it, 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 the writing is on the wall. To me, the key to this, the key to this is sponsorship. And at this point, the sponsorships haven't moved. FedEx hasn't moved. As you know, the Redskins play at FedEx Field. Hasn't moved. Hasn't moved. And as we know, the trademark board, United States trademark board, they basically said, you know what, this this name is disparaging, and that at this point the trademarks have been canceled. But it doesn't mean anything because this case could go on for a while. The Redskins have appealed it. So this whole situation could go on for a very, very long time. It can go on for a very long time. And as I'm reading around, you get mixed opinions on this, even amongst the Native American community. You get a lot of mixed opinions. And uh, sometimes I'm wondering, is this about them, the Native American community, or is it about everybody else? Is it about everybody else and not the Native American community? You know, you had that Annenberg study about 10 years ago where they said, what, about 90%? 90% of Native Americans were okay with the name. 90%. And so when I hear those type of numbers, I say to myself, okay. If it's okay with them, then it should be okay with us, for us. But, you know, obviously this is, a, this is a thing that's been going on for a long time and will continue to go on. The question becomes, should the Redskins change their name? And to be honest with you, some points, and, and sometimes I say no, sometimes I say yes, but I'm really pretty much torn at this point. I don't know if they should change it because – at the same time, I don't know if they should, but I don't know if they shouldn't change it because there are people within the Native American community who are against the name. You've got to figure out if it's a majority or not. I don't know. If it's a majority, then you almost have to think about it. If it's not, then, okay, I think the Redskins have a legitimate case and should continue on with the name. But I also think the key here is sponsorship. If sponsors start to move away from the product, a la what we saw with Donald Sterling and the Clippers. If we see if sponsors are, are, are going away from the Redskins, then if you see that, then obviously now a decision may have to be made by the Redskins and may have to be made by the National Football League and may have to force the Redskins on some level to change the name may have forced the Redskins to change their name. But at the end of the day, this can go on for a long period of time, a long time. And as far as I'm concerned, I just, like I said, sometimes I say they should change it, and other times I'm not so sure. But I think it's, it's we, we have to get legitimate, legitimate understanding of, in terms of, how the Native American community feels. Because I don't want to speak for the Native American community. And I don't think it's fair for anybody to speak for the Native American community. I don't think it is. And, you know, people in Congress, Harry Reid of Nevada, he can say what he wants to say about it. But at the end of the day, we can't. Is is it us? 
those who are not Native American who feel this way, or is it the Native Americans who truly feel like this name needs to be changed? And I'm not sure about that. I think there's mixed messages within all that, and I think we're going to have to really figure out exactly how Native Americans feel. And if it's a consensus, to me, if it's over 50%, then I think the name should be changed. But I don't, I mean, the way the Redskins use the name at this point, and obviously there's varying definitions of the word Redskin. I mean, you've seen some in terms of uh, Native American, just being a you know Native American. You know, others you've seen as a slur. It's seen as a slur. So, you know, it's 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 interesting, and it's it's. I don't know if there's a tr- the true answer to me comes from the Native American community and how they feel about it. That's where the true answer comes. And to me, I don't know how they truly feel about it. And I think at this point, opinions are mixed. There's obviously a lot of mixed opinions when it comes to this topic, even amongst the Native American community. So we'll see how this thing plays out, and we'll see where it goes. Obviously, I don't think we're going to get a quick resolution to this. This could take a long period of time. It took a long period of time to get to this point. I mean, the case was launched back in 2006. The hearing was held in March of 2013, and right now we're in June of 2014. So that can give you an understanding of the possible timetable we're working with. This can go on for a while. But I do think think at this point in time the the, the groundswell of, of media members, social media, and just, you know, a lot of people, and, and just the, the climate of our society in terms of political correctness and, and how we are very PC in this country. And so with that being, and you can come up with other names, some might say the Fighting Irish or Notre Dame, that's a little disparaging. You know, the, 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 you could say that's a disparaging, you know, you, you can, or, or the saints, you know, in terms of religion. Well, you know, they're promoting religion there. Um, you can call that disparaging. Some people may have a problem with that, with a team being called a religious name. Like, so it's, it's, it's really, really something that's, I mean, you can even say if you're a Christian that the New Jersey Devils, the Devils, be the Jersey Devils. I mean, you, could, you may have a problem with that if you're a Christian and you believe that there is a devil. You may have a problem with that particular name. So it, it's really something I, I, I think that is going to happen. I believe the name will eventually be changed. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I think the climate is perfect for the name change to happen. I'm not really sure if the name sh- should be changed. And I think, again, it comes down to how the Native American community truly feels about this issue. It comes down to their feelings. It comes down to their beliefs. Because I'm not Native American. I'm not. So I can't and I won't. I don't want to speak for them. I don't want to speak for them. And so we'll see how this whole thing plays out. We'll see if the name will get changed. It's not going to happen anytime soon. 
and that's what a lot of people are missing. This thing could happen. I mean, and it could be fast. It could go a little faster than it has gone in the past, but this is going to take a while. This is going to take a while. And I know Daniel Snyder has been adamant in the past in saying that the name will never change. He'll never change the name. He's been adamant about that. He's been adamant about that. So we'll see if the name is not if the name is going to get changed. But he's not, Snyder's definitely going to fight this to the end. To me, what could speed this process up outside of the court system is the NFL is sponsors because the NFL is selling its product to people. Sponsors are. You know, selling their you know NFL. The sponsors are, are are paying the NFL to advertise. The sponsors are paying the NFL to advertise. If the sponsors, the ones that are helping pay the bills in the National Football League, if they start to pull out, if they start to withdraw, if they start to take a step back, then who knows what could happen? Who knows what could happen? Then I think that would change the name, or make, you know, I think it would make it happen faster. But I think it's going to happen. Whether it should happen, I'm not sure. And that's up for debate. And that's also up for how, again, the Native American community feels about it. It's up to how they feel. It's not about how I feel. It's how they feel. And, again, if they are truly against it, then the name should be changed. If it's mixed, we have to figure it out at that point. I don't think we should speak for Native Americans. And, again, you know, you read numerous articles. It's split. It's mixed. It's split and it's mixed. And, obviously, I don't really think this is, like, big time for Native Americans, just based off of what I'm reading. It, it seems like they, they have bigger issues than this. And so and we'll see how this plays out. I'm very interested to see how this thing plays out. But, again, it's not going to play out this year. They'll be the Redskins for this year, and they may be the Redskins for the next few years. But sponsorship is key. If sponsors, and not to belabor the point, but the sponsors start to pull out, then the National Football League has a decision to make. We'll see what that decision may be. Kevin Love. Kevin Love. At this point in time, there was talk that Kevin Love could go to the Warriors. There was talk of a three-team deal with the Lakers and Warriors and, and Timberwolves. And also a talk of just a deal between the Timberwolves and the Golden State Warriors. And at one point, the issue was Clay Thompson. And whether or not they wanted to put Clay Thompson in a deal, you heard reports that they wanted to put Clay Thompson in the deal. Now you're hearing reports that there's an organizational split at this point on whether or not they want to put Clay Thompson in the deal, whether or not they want Clay Thompson in this deal, whether or not they want to part with Clay Thompson. I, I would say this. It's a lot easier to find small than big. It's a lot easier to find a shooting guard than it is a uh, power forward who can – hit the three, who can rebound like no other, who can score the basketball. I mean, it's hard to find that type of player. 
It's hard to find that type of player. And so with that being said, when you have an opportunity to get a player like Kevin Love, and I know, you know, obviously some of the issue could be from, you know, other. I can understand the reluctance in terms of whether or not Kevin Love is going to sign a, an extension with you. Because obviously you don't want to give up a guy like Clay Thompson and lose him and, and losing him. Also David Lee as well. Losing those two guys, David Lee is a double-double machine, losing those two guys and then not being able to get back, not being able to get back and losing Kevin Love ultimately over time. I mean, that's, that's something you have to think about if you are Golden State, whether or not you should do the deal. When we come back, we're going to bring in a guy now who last year at this point in time was preparing for the NBA draft. This time he's watching. When we come back, Sacramento Kings guard Ben McLemore will be joining us. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. And we're back. Seemed to be a little issue there. But we're back and ready to go. We're going to bring in a guy now preparing for a second season in the National Basketball Association. You know, he was last year, you know, the NBA draft is Thursday. And last year, this guy was preparing for the NBA draft. This guy was getting his suit right. This guy was getting everything right for the upcoming NBA draft. Let's bring him in now. Sacramento Kings guard, Ben McLemore. Trying to get him up now. A little issue there. Ben. Hey, how you doing? How are you, man? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Ben, let me ask you this. You know, last year you were in a position a lot of these guys were in as you prepare for the upcoming as you prepare for the NBA draft. Let me ask you this. When you got your name called, what was the feeling like? Talk about that. Man, like a big ray off my shoulder. You know, just having the opportunity to be a part of, you know, something great, you know, and just being in that green room with my coaches, my coach, my agent, my brother, my sister, and my mom, you know, just felt so, you know, perfect. And, you know, just walking up that stage and shaking Davis in her hand was like a dream come true. So I felt so excited, happy, and, like, all that weight off my shoulder. As you prepare for the draft, I mean, was it, was it, how stressful was it? I mean, you could understand what a lot of these guys are going through. How stressful was it going through the different different workouts, going to the different cities, talking to the different coaches? How stressful was that for you? I mean, as a, a young kid, you know, just trying to figure out, you know, what city you think you're going to play in, what city you think fits you. And, you know, going up there and talking to different coaches, different GMs and little things like that, working out, you know, make sure you want to figure out if you did, did you do good, you know, in these workouts and little things like that. And, you know, and then getting to the draft and getting prepared for the draft, you know, <laughs> I know me, you know, I was up all night before the day or the, the day, the night okay. before the draft, man. It's just like so much going through your head and you're trying to figure out if 
if you're going to get drafted, if you're going to get drafted high here or or you're going to be pretty late, you know, down here. So it was just so much going through my head. I know a lot of those guys, upcoming guys, are speaking the same way, you know, just trying to figure out where they're going to land it up to and stuff like that. And the thing about you, I mean, a lot of people expected you to go in the top five. Ultimately, you slipped to number seven. Did that make it even worse for you? As in as, in as far as, like, my career or just, like? Or in terms of just your mindset, just in terms of the anxiety. Oh, man, just not hearing my name, you know, getting called that first time, and then, and then after that, and then getting dropped all the way to seven, I just was like, you know, it's, you know, it's time to grind, you know, just that mindset for me, which is to go out there, you know, giving my all, you know, and, you know, I just, you know, I, you know, this season, you know, I felt, you know, I had some ups and downs, you know, that's how all, you know, NBA guys going to have some ups and downs, but at the same time, I bounce back and, you know, finish off the season strong and little things like that, you know. Got an opportunity to be in a dunk contest, you know, didn't make the rookie mm-hmm. game, but still have the opportunity to be in a dunk contest. was still, you know, a good opportunity for me to build my brand and everybody get to know who I am. And just uh, representing the Sacramento Kings, too, and, you know, that, you know, dropping all the way to seven just gave me a, a different mindset to, for the rest of my career, just, you know, work hard each and every day and get better you know, things like that. And that's how I've been as a person, you know, throughout my career playing basketball. We're talking to Kings guard Ben McLemore. You talked about the dunk contest. Is that something you're going to be in for years to come? Do you expect to do it next year and beyond? Uh, you know, if, we, if I have the opportunity again to do it, yeah, I, I would love to. You know, but I want to, you know, keep getting better each and every day, working my game to and for, you know, I want to get in some different – a different, you know, activity in the uh, All-Star game, you know, trying to, you know, making the rookie sophomore game or three-point contest, you know, skill challenge, whatever, or the All-Star game. You know, I want to, you know, build my game on so I can be, get to the next level and try to, you know, get to one of those places and stuff in the All-Star, you know. You know, so I'm just working on my game each and every day. So You have now with the Sacramento Kings, Rudy Gaeta's out there. You guys obviously want to bring him back. I know DeMarcus Cousins is doing what he can do to try to bring him back. Have you reached out to Rudy Gay at all? Uh, I haven't, but I uh, I talked to him. You know, we you know shot texts uh, to each other. You know, because he's he was just in St. Louis, and you know he's down there in St. Louis. I wasn't there though, but he was down in St. Louis. He texted me to see whether I did or not and stuff like that. So, but I really haven't. You know, I had a chance to talk to him and stuff like that, though. So if you had an opportunity to talk to him, what would you say? Why should he come back no. to Sacramento? I mean, it's not my idea. I mean, my decision to, you know, make that for him. But, you know, Rudy was a good, great, great guy. He was a great vet for us, you know, especially for me and Ray, you know, just talking to us. And, you know, a guy that's been in the league for a pretty long time that knows his stuff and to learn from him and just – you know, listen to, you know, different things he said to help us, you know, get better as some rookies, you know, coming in, you know, not knowing what, what our position and what we need to do to get better. And he helped us a lot as he got with the team. We're talking to Kings guard Ben McLemore. Now, Ben, what do you feel like now you need to do in year two to make that jump and become a better player? What are the things you need to work on? Um, Getting stronger. Keep um, slowing down, you know, 
stay focused and learn more about the game, you know, and, you know, work on my just all-around game and not just trying to be out there just being just a spot-up shooter. You know, I can, you know, I can shoot the ball pretty good to, and I'm very athletic, so I'm not want to be those that guys that should be just a spot-up shooter. I can want to, you know, create my own shot off the dribble and, you know, get to the basket, little things like that to open the floor for me more, you know, especially coming to the next, uh, next season. Now, looking at your Sacramento Kings team, obviously you guys didn't make the playoff last year, but there is a lot of talent on this ball club. DeMarcus Cousins, you got Isaiah Thomas. Hopefully you guys can bring back Rudy Gay. You got yourself. How close do you think you guys are away from going to the playoffs and, and being a legitimate contender in the NBA? Uh, I think, like you said, Mary, on the sheet, we got you know, a playoff team, you know, but, you know, as you can see, you know, the, the season, it didn't do that too good, but at the same time, we try to, we fought every game and, and try to get better as a team each and every day, you know, and, you know, coming next season, like I said, we don't know what's these guys' situation, what's Rudy's situation, and little things like that, but for right now, we all, you know, some of the guys, you know, came back to, you know, just to work on our game and, you know, just to be back and just, you know, just work on little things we need to work on for next season, you know, and just also just to see each other, you know, and keep that, you know, chemistry with each other and stuff like that. So, I mean, we just got to, you know, like I said, it's just the end of the day, we just got to figure out, you know, what, what these guys' decisions and then and move on from that and who we get and who we draft and, and then just move on from that and then work with that what we got. And you guys are the Sacramento Kings this year are drafted number eight, so you guys probably are going to get a quality player there at number eight. We'll see what you guys can get at number eight. Let me ask you this. You, speaking of the NBA draft at number eight, Joel Embiid, a, a guy who played at Kansas, Andrew Wiggins also played in Kansas. Have you spoke to those guys? Have you made it back and spoke to those guys at all throughout the course of the season? Uh, I, I made it back to Kansas, but those guys wasn't you know there, and I haven't really talked to JoJo or or Wiggs. You know, okay. I'm just giving them some time, you know, to you know stay focused on what they need to do to you know while they're in training. Right. For sure. I mean, obviously a tough break for Joel Embiid with the, the foot and everything, but based off of what you know about the guy, you believe that he can make a full recovery and be a successful player in the National Basketball Association? Oh, yeah, 100%, I think so, definitely. Okay. You know, just his upsides and his ability to block shots, shoot the mid, you know, athletic, things like that, man. He's, he's, he's willing to learn, too, you know, and also – Wigs, too, the same way. You know, right. both of both talented guys. Now, as we said, the draft is coming up Thursday. should be interesting to see what happens with the NBA draft. But the NBA Finals, and we saw, I mean, obviously a lot of people were surprised by not necessarily the Spurs beating the Miami Heat, but how they beat the Miami Heat. I mean, they beat them mm-hmm. on average by 14 points per game in that series. Were you shocked by what you saw? Um, pretty shocked, but not too shocked because that's that's how San Antonio play. You know, play as a team. You know, there's it's not just one main game. You know, it's, they all play as one. You know, I, what shocked me one time, I think we was playing them at home, is when Bellinelli had an open shot. You know, one of 
you know, the great, one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Mm-hmm. Had an open wide, wide open shot and turned down to turn it down to Pat, give it up to a non three point shooter that knocked it down. You know that what shocked me was just like they they sacrificed the you know for another team to give it up for another team to make a play. You know and that's team ball. You know you just got to have that chemistry and have that mindset to playing as a team. You know that's you know that's how they beat Miami. They was moving the ball. You know right. not holding the ball, not dribbling too much, not passing, they passing and cutting. You know, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, San Antonio do, you know, and too many teams in the league cannot guard that. So. Yeah, definitely. You definitely saw the Miami Heat had a hard time guarding. And for you, is it diff- you got it, you talked about it, how, you know, how they pass the ball and get the get, get it to the open shooter. Is it so, is it harder to play a team like that like a, a team that, you know, passed the ball the way to do it, or is it easier to play a team like that? I mean, it, it seems like it's harder based off of what we saw in the NBA Finals. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I won't say it's harder. <laughs> you know, being okay. a shooter, you 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 have – you want a guy that can give you the ball to knock down the shot, you know, but I think it's not harder. I, mean, I think that's the way it's just you, you how to play the game of basketball. It's playing for team, okay. moving the ball around, you know, things like that. So I think that's just – the game of basketball, and that's just how pop, you know, run his system. Now, Ben, you are on Twitter. Where can fans connect with Ben McLemore on Twitter? Take care. I'm sorry. Oh, you're on Twitter. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I mean, you can, you can add me, you know, have a little conversation, you know, DM me, you know, stuff like that. You know, I love interacting with my fans. So, fans, make sure you check this man out. He's on Twitter at Ben McLemore and support all the great things going on with Ben McLemore. I see here on your – I saw here on your Twitter, I mean, that you 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 threw out the first pitch for the Cardinals one game. And we saw yeah. – he sent just a, a couple – what was that? About a few weeks ago, throw out the first pitch. Yeah. I mean, that was awful. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, it wasn't that – it, it was bad, but it, it it could at the point he could have caught it and not made it look too bad, you know. <laughs> but at the same time, it wasn't that bad as you know, fifty cents. I at least got it to the guy, but it was a bad bounce. But I had like, I got I revenged myself actually uh, when I got back to sack um, throughout the first period. That's one of the minor league came, okay, and stuff. And I, I actually got it there, so it was it was kind of like the a bounce back throw, so <laughs> it, it was a great opportunity for me to just, you know, be blessed to do that throughout the first pitch that I always wanted to do that. And I, I was in St. Louis, and I was, you know, hitting a couple of my guys to see if they can, you know, make that happen, and that's what they did, and it was great. And, and I got to meet one of my favorite players, Melina, so. For sure, for sure. Fans, again, hit this guy up on Twitter, at Ben McLemore. He's expecting to bounce back big time second year uh, for him in the NBA with the Sacramento Kings. Ben, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thank you, man. Take care. All right, you too. Ben McLemore, guard, Sacramento Kings. And we'll see what, 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 hap- what may happen with the Sacramento Kings in terms of the draft. I'm seeing here they may go Dougie McBucket, Doug McDermott at number eight. We'll also see what happens in terms of Rudy Gay. 
where he may go, where Rudy Gay may go, and, and whether he may go uh, stay with Sacramento or will he go elsewhere. We'll see what happens. But it was a pleasure talking to Ben McLemore. And, and I agree with him and talked about Joel Embiid. I definitely agree that Joel Embiid can, can make a comeback. I, I do believe that Joel Embiid can definitely come back from this. And this is not the end. This is just the beginning for him. And the, and the simple fact is the reality is he's a young man, and he can come back from this. Why can't he come back? Why not Joel Embiid? Why can't he come back? People have come back from this and been successful. They've come back and be successful from this. We've seen it. Kurt Thomas, Ogoskis. I mean, we've seen this. So it's not the end. Will you take him number one? Do you have some doubts on whether you should take him number one? I get that. I get that for sure. I definitely get that. But the reality is you have an opportunity to take a guy, a big man, with his height, a big man with his ability, a big man that can get it done, has shown that he can get it done on the collegiate level. We'll see what happens if he can do it on the NBA level. But obviously, bigs, it's hard to get big. It's a lot easier to get small than big. So it should be interesting to see what the Cavs do. And if he slips past Cleveland, it should be interesting to see what Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and everybody else, what everybody else does there in that top ten. I'm looking forward to it. This draft was intriguing to begin with. Now it becomes even more intriguing because of the injury uh, to Joel Embiid. So we'll see what happens, and we'll see how this thing plays out as we move forward with the upcoming NBA draft. We shall see. It should be fun. Michael Vick, he has some interesting comments. Uh, yesterday, Michael Vick signed with the Jets in this offseason, and he called himself, in terms of the scrambling quarterback, a pioneer. He called himself a pioneer as in the NFL as a mobile quarterback. And I'm a big Mike Vick fan, but I got to call foul on this one. Um, he must have forgot. I don't think he revolutionized the game, as he says. He must have forgot about Randall Cunningham. And he was the ultimate weapon. Even before that, he must have forgot about Fran Tarkin, Fran Tarkington. He also must have forgot about Steve Young. I mean, these guys came before him, and these guys more so revolutionized the game than Mike Vick. I mean, you have Fran Tarkenton, who was a scrambling quarterback and was a big-time scrambling quarterback throughout, the, throughout his great career. And then you have Randall Cunningham, who comes in and kind of, kind of revolutionized it in some respect because he became the quote-unquote ultimate weapon. You remember the Sports Illustrated cover many moons ago. But Randall Cunningham, he kind of took it to that next level, if you will, in terms of a running quarterback. And then Michael Vick came along, and, you know, you still have Steve Young as well. Steve Young, big-time running quarterback. And then Michael Vick, you know, you have Michael Vick who comes along. And, you know, Michael Vick, did, did he do anything different? I mean, speed-wise, it may have been a little different because his speed's incredible. I mean, Michael Vick is a blur. He's a blur. He says he started it all. And, you know, I don't think he did. But at the same time, I, I mean, Michael Vick says he, his, at this point his goal is to win a championship, whether he's a starter or not a starter. His goal is to win a championship. And, and I, one thing I'll say about Michael Vick, 
One thing, I, and I've said this over the years, this is a guy who admitted that at one point in his life he was more, he, he focused more on dog, he focused more on the, uh, dog fighting than he did on playing quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. And, oh, by the way, in the process of that, he won two playoff games. Got the Falcons one game away from a Super Bowl. They lost to the Philadelphia Eagles in that championship game. He was one game away. One game away. He says it burns a lot. That, you know, that's something he wants to do. That's something he wants to do, and that is win a Super Bowl. Well, I don't know if he's going to win it this year for the Jets, but who knows? Maybe, maybe. I mean, the Jets have a big, big-time defense, and if they get that, if the run game is, is successful, whether it's, I mean, and I don't really, I'm really not too sure about Geno Smith. I got a lot of doubts about Geno Smith. I think Michael Vick would be a better fit than Geno Smith. I think Michael Vick would be a much better fit than Geno Smith. But again, from what I'm hearing, Michael Vick hasn't really looked all that great. Hasn't looked all that great during uh, many camps, OTAs. And Geno Smith has looked better. But again, he's not a pioneer, if you will, in terms of running quarterbacks. But in terms of his speed, he, he brought a different dimension, I thought, to the position just from a speed, just in terms of speed. He brought a different dimension in terms of speed. But other than that, you know, I, I wouldn't call him a pioneer, a revolutionary, if you will, a guy who revolutionized the game. I wouldn't call him that. I wouldn't say that. But I think, I, I think he brought a different dynamic in terms of speed to the position. And Randall Cunningham was fast, too. But I think Michael Vick was a little faster. And Randall Cunningham was a special player, talent-wise, was a special player. And it could have been a lot better. It could have been a lot more. I mean, I look at the Randall Cunningham years and I say, why did it? It should have been better. It could have been better. You just wonder if he had a little more guidance, a little more guidance from, from his coaching staff. If he just had a little more guidance, would he have been a much better quarterback? And I would say yes, because we know what we saw was in 98 with the Vikings, where he put up all different types of numbers, was a prolific pocket passer, something he really wasn't throughout the course of his career, but he was a prolific pocket passer that year back in 1998, put up all different types of crazy offensive numbers for the Minnesota Vikings. Ultimately, he didn't get over the top, blame Gary Anderson on that, but he did put up a lot of numbers, put up a lot of numbers. So I look at him more so than Michael Vick as a guy who revolutionized the game, a pioneer, if you will. I would say that's more so Mike Vick. I mean, more so Randall Cunningham than Michael Vick. But he is entitled to his opinion. Just happens to be the wrong opinion. (laughs) Happens to be the wrong opinion. Definitely happens to be the wrong opinion. Because obviously, 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 Randall Cunningham came before Mike Vick. And Mike Vick surpassed Randall Cunningham. Randall Cunningham was the all-time leading rusher for quarterbacks before Michael Vick. So you can't call yourself. I don't think you. I don't think you can call yourself a pioneer, based off the numbers that Randall Cunningham put up, and based off what Fran Tarkenton did as well. So I don't. I don't think you can call him a pioneer. I just don't think you can. Just my opinion.
Let's go back to the NBA now. Before we get to that, soccer. Soccer. <laughs> the World Cup. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm having a hard time getting into it. I'm trying. I'm trying. It just, it's not moving. It's not working for me. It's just not working for me. Again, I'm trying. I'm trying, y'all. I, I'm, I'm trying to, to get into soccer. I'm trying to like soccer. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to enjoy this World Cup. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Soccer is just one of those games. I feel like they're just going back and forth, back and forth, and, you know, eventually they'll get a goal. I heard somebody refer to it as you get a lot of foreplay, a lot of foreplay in soccer and not enough, you know what, you know, a lot of foreplay. You get a lot of foreplay with soccer because, you know, the goals are few and far between. So, and I don't think a lot of people – Want to deal with, want to have foreplay and continue with foreplay. At some point, you want what you want, and you know, at some point, we want to see goals. We don't want to see a bunch of guys just going up and down the, the field. That's not fun. We want to see goals. We want to see goals. I want to see goals. I want to score. I want to see scores. And we don't get enough of that in soccer. But I mean, it's doing the the, the numbers, the ratings numbers are high. People are watching. Everybody's talking about it. You know, you, you got all these every four years soccer fans. It's kind of like the the Miami Heat fans, the 2005, 2007, and the 2010 to, to maybe 2014, or it could be the present. It depends what happens with LeBron James and those boys. But those Miami Heat fans, they came out of the woodworks. Came out of the woodworks. Everybody's a Miami Heat fan. Everybody loves LeBron. Everybody. Everybody. It's crazy. Ain't that many Miami Heat fans at all. You, where were you when Dwayne Wade was carrying the load? Where were you when Zoe and, and Tim Hardaway and those boys were having a hard time getting by the Chicago Bulls? Where were you even getting by the Miami, getting by the New York Knicks? I know they beat the New York Knicks a couple times in those series, but they had a hard time. Where were you when Ronnie Cycli and Kevin Edwards were around? Where were you? Glenn Rice, where were you? Where were you? And I'm talking to a lot of you, 2005 to 2007 Miami Heat fans, comma, 2010, possibly to the present or possibly the two, 2014 Miami Heat. I'm talking to you. You guys. You guys didn't like the Miami Heat. You didn't. Now all of a sudden, you guys are Miami Heat fans. All of a sudden, you guys love the Miami Heat fans. Come on, Miami Heat. Come on. This team uh, came in back in, what, 89, was it, 91, 89, 91, one of those years. There ain't too many Miami Heat fans around here unless you are from South Florida. Unless you're from Miami itself, then you probably are a Miami Heat fan. Otherwise, please, stop it. I see right through you. I see right through you. I see right through you, and I don't like what I see. I see fraud, joint activity. I see frauds. You guys don't love the Miami Heat. Stop it. Stop it. You're killing me. You're killing me. You're killing me. Stop it with that. 
You guys don't love the Miami Heat. I gotta, I, I'm living with a person. My 12-year-old son, I'm living with a person who, who likes the Miami Heat, likes LeBron James. Well, guess what? He was born in New York, lived in New York for the first four years of his life, moved to Pennsylvania. He is not a Miami Heat fan. And, you know, a lot of people may disagree with me on this one, but as far as I'm concerned, you, if you're from Philadelphia, you like the Sixers. If from, you're from New York, maybe you like the Knicks, you can like the Knicks or you like the Brooklyn Nets. If you're from Cleveland, you like the, the, the Cavaliers. If you're from Milwaukee, you like the Bucks. If you're from Boston, you like the Celtics. If you're from San Antonio, you like the Spurs. If you're from Dallas, you like the Mavericks. Stop it. If you're, some, if you're from Sacramento, you like the Kings. If you're from Los Angeles, you either like the Lakers or the Clippers. You can't like both. You can't. Stop it. And these 2005, 2007, 2010, to the present Miami Heat fans make me sick. Because where were you when Dwayne Wade was struggling and trying to carry the Miami Heat on his back? Where were you? You were nowhere to be found. Where were you? And then Bosch signs, LeBron signs. They're dancing at the American Airlines Center celebrating, laughing, having a good old time, and you guys coming out of the woodworks saying, oh, I love the Miami Heat. They're my new team. The Miami Heat are my new team. Stop it. You're a fraud. You're killing me. Stop it. Stop it. You're killing me with that. And speaking of the Miami Heat, if it were to end today, well, at this summer, if, if LeBron James opts out, moves on, if this era of Miami Heat basketball were to end today, I think I said it before, but let me it, it's a success. Four straight appearances in the NBA Finals. It's only been done by three other teams. That's rarefied error. That's rarefied error, folks. So that's an accomplishment. Oh, by the way, by the way, not only that, but you win two chips along the way. You, you go there and you win two times. You go two and two in the finals over the four-year span. The first year, 2011, you know, a lot of guys are getting to know each other. First time these guys are playing with each other, trying to figure out who should close. Should LeBron close? D-Wade close? Where should Bosch be in the offense? So on and so forth. You're trying to figure things out. Then the next year, you come back against OKC. You dominate that series. It was a close series, close games, but you beat them in five. And then you come back against San Antonio. Ray Allen hits that big three. You go to game seven. You get it done. Ultimately, you go back to back. Now this year, a lot of games being played over that four-year span. Age starts to creep in. Dwayne Wade, not the same player that he was. Chris Bosh, maybe not the same player that he once was. The only person, that only constant 
that you have still is the king, LeBron James, King James. That's the only constant you still have. And he, he put up serious numbers in these finals. And again, obviously at the end of the day, you lose in five, and you lose on average by 14 points per game. That's difficult. That's tough. And we can talk about the all-time greats and, and how we view the all-time greats and where does LeBron stack up against Jordan, Kobe, and the rest of the all-time greats out there. You start to question, I mean, two and three in NBA Finals play, but he got the five NBA Finals. That's important. Magic got to nine and lost four. Lost four times. Obviously, LeBron hasn't gotten to nine, but there's a good possibility when it's all said and done, LeBron probably, I mean, depending on what happens here, but even no matter, no matter where he goes, if he went to Cleveland, I think Cleveland could, is, is probably the favorite. Depending on what Melo does, whether he goes to Chicago, that'll be interesting. But if he goes to Cleveland, Cleveland is a championship. Cleveland would become a, a, the favorite in the Eastern Conference, and obviously a, a team that could possibly win an NBA title with having LeBron James on your roster. So if that were the case, if we were, no matter where he goes, wherever he goes, that team is going to be a favorite. Whether it was the Clippers, and they could try to figure out a way to get him there. Where he, wherever he goes, he's going to his team is going to be a favorite. I'm not saying they're going to be the favorite. They're going to be one of the favorites. I'm not going to say they're going to be the, the favorite, but they're going to be one of the favorites, plural. So the key is Magic lost four times in the NBA Finals, got there nine times. LeBron's been there five times, lost three times, but when it's all said and done, LeBron's probably going to get to probably nine NBA Finals, if not more. You don't think LeBron's going to get to another four NBA Finals? Depend, it all depends on some things, but he's probably going to get at least two, two to three more. At least two to three more. Possibly four, but at least two to three more. LeBron's going to get to. And you wonder now. You wonder. Where will he end up? And let's, you know, I, I, I think we, we, we get so quick to say, who's, going to, who's the best? Who's the best? LeBron Barrett and Jordan? Is LeBron Barrett and Kobe? Is, is LeBron, where, where do we put LeBron in terms of Mount Rushmore? Where do we put LeBron in terms of history? I think we still have to wait. LeBron, Michael Jordan's body of work is done. It's closed. The books are closed on Michael Jordan. A lot of people consider him the GOAT. Bill Russell, the books are closed on, Michael, on Bill Russell. Some people consider him the GOAT. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the books are closed on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Some people consider him the GOAT. Kobe Bryant. Obviously, the book, he, he's still running. He's got two years left on his contract. That book is still going. It's ongoing. The book has not been completed yet. He's still going. We'll see what happens there. LeBron James, the book has not been completed yet. Still going. We'll see what happens there. We sometimes get so quick and caught up in saying, who's the best, who's the best? And it's not fair to LeBron James. It's not fair to Kobe Bryant because their body of work is not finished or complete. It's not even fair to the guys who went before. Because, again, the body of work of Kobe and LeBron is not complete. Therefore, you, cannot make an, uh, 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 you can't make a judgment on it. You can speculate, I guess. You can do whatever you want in terms of that. And it's fun. I mean, it's, it's good for talk radio. It's good for what we do here. It's definitely good for in talking about who's the best. Obviously, at this point, Michael Jordan is 6-0 in the NBA Finals. LeBron James is 2-3. and Michael Jordan, if he didn't retire, he easily, 
He easily, 93, uh, those three years, where Houston won twice, where with Elijah won 94 and 95, Houston won twice. You know, and, and Michael Jordan was, was on a baseball field. He was on a baseball field. And he came back mid-95 year, but, and ultimately the Bulls were losing to the Orlando Magic in the Eastern Conference Finals. But the point I'm trying to make is, Michael Jordan and the Bulls could have easily won maybe eight championships in a row. And even at ni- in 1998, when the whole thing, when you know, Rodman went on his way, Pippen went on his way, and Jordan ultimately retired, if they were, were going to bring that, and there was always talk of whether or not you know, it was kind of expensive to bring that team back. But if they were, were to bring that team back, who's to say that the, the Chicago Bulls would, would not have won four in a row? Who's to say they would not have won four in a row the, the first time, the first three-peat, when Michael Jordan retired and the Rockets won in 94? And who's to say they wouldn't have won four in a row uh, after 1998 when the Spurs won in 1999? Who's to say they wouldn't beat that Spurs team? That Spurs team was beatable by that Chicago Bulls team. They were beatable. They were beatable. Michael Jordan still was a, a, a big-time player then, but ultimately he went on. But the point I'm trying to make is I'm not one of these guys that say Michael Jordan will never be touched because everything is, you know, there are some records that are unbreakable. But in terms of GOAT status, in terms of GOAT status, can LeBron get to Michael Jordan level? I think he can, but time is running out. I mean, right now, two Michael, uh, LeBron James, two championships, Michael Jordan, six. So at this point, LeBron has to get to that four or five mark, at least four, in my opinion, before we can even have this conversation, before this discussion, become, before this, this, this discussion can become a legitimate discussion. Before we can make this discussion legitimate, LeBron James has to win a couple more championships. And I'm not saying he can't. But Kevin Durant is out there. That Spurs team is still together. The Clippers are still there. Houston is there. There are some teams. And it's not a foregone conclusion. And, again, it depends what LeBron James is going to do, where he may go, who he may go to. It depends where he may go and who he may go to. And who comes to Miami, Kyle Lowry would be an upgrade at the point guard position. Does that put the Miami Heat over the top? It helps. It definitely helps because you get more consistency out of the point guard position. That definitely helps. That definitely helps. So Kyle Lowry would help. And Kyle Lowry would, would, would definitely be an upgrade over Mario Chalmers. And based off what we saw in the NBA Finals, anybody would be an upgrade over Mario Chalmers. Not to knock him. So I'm looking at the situation, and, and I'm saying at this point, let's hold off. Let's hold off. But if LeBron would have won this, got the three-peat, same way Jordan got a three-peat, if LeBron would have won this, this would have been huge. This, that would have continued the talk of whether LeBron could surpass Michael Jordan. I think he can surpass him. He definitely has the skill set to do it. Does he have the instincts, the killer instincts to do it? And I, I got to say this, we, can, we criticize LeBron James, but at the end of the day, this series wasn't about what LeBron James didn't do. It was about his team from top to bottom. The Spurs were better than the Miami Heat. The Spurs were better from top to bottom. And the thing about it is also this, you know, Dwayne Wade wasn't the same type of player we've seen over the years throughout the course of this run. 
Bosch had some struggles, but he was a lot better than Wade. Mario Chalmers was non-existent. He had some big shots throughout the course of his run. I mean, Mike Miller was going. Shane Battier was, you didn't get anything out of him. Greg Golden, Michael Beasley, you got nothing out of those guys. So you look at it, I don't think you can blame LeBron James for what happened, but at the end of the day, it's like a quarterback in a football game. When you're the best player, when you're the quarterback, whether you deserve the blame or not, you're going to get it. Just in reality of the situation, nature of the beast, nature of the position. But again, I'm interested to see what will happen moving forward. This offseason may rival that 2010 offseason, especially if these guys opt out. I believe Melo's going to opt out. I'm interested to see what's going to happen with the big three. And even Kevin Love, where he's going to land. Because it's going to change the landscape of basketball and the NBA. If Melo goes to the Chicago Bulls, that changes things. That's a game changer. If LeBron James opts in, it's still, I mean, the Miami Heat is still going to be formidable. But with the Chicago Bulls and what they have in Melo, it's definitely going to be interesting. If LeBron James opts out, decides to stay in Miami, and they retool, reload, add uh, a Kyle Lowry, maybe add a Trevor Ariza, or maybe add um, or Melo. Maybe they get Melo as well. So we'll see. Chicago Bulls, at this point, a lot of people are thinking they could be the favorite for Melo. And if I'm Carmelo Anthony, Phil Jackson, first time being the executive, Derek Fisher, first time first head coach, the Knicks cap situation, not very good. A cap situation that it's going to get better a year from now, but anything can happen a year from now, Melo could get hurt. Anything is possible. So he doesn't have much left and much time, much time left to figure out what he wants to do, much time left to win an NBA title. He doesn't. That's the reality of the situation. We shall see what happens with that. I'm interested, man. I can't wait. I'm interested to see how this thing plays out. I really am. But we'll see what happens, how it plays out moving forward. I mean, this offseason, the NBA should be fun. The NBA draft should be fun. Where does Joel Embiid go? I'm thinking Philadelphia takes him at three. But from, I think Philadelphia should take him at three if he goes by the first two teams. But we'll see. We'll see what happens, and we'll see if Noel and Embiid truly, in fact, if the Sixers brass believe that those two can play together. And we'll see what happens with Michael Carter-Williams. There have been some talks about him possibly being traded to Lakers. But you'll hear a lot of rumors around this time. I want to thank Wade Smith for stopping by. Make sure you go to his website, wadesmithfoundation.org, as he has some great events going on out there. Also, make sure you hit him up on Twitter at Schmitty74 all day. Also, Ben McLemore. Thank you for stopping by. Hit him up on his Twitter, at Ben McLemore, and also St. Peter's College assistant basketball coach Marlon Guild. Hit him up on Twitter, at MGuild83. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com, slash pgan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow the show on Twitter at GoForItGan, G-O-F-R-I-C-G-A-N-T. Hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com, slash user, slash GoForItGan. For everybody here at GoFor, we hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care.